Welcome to Pastors with Pour Overs, conversations about coffee and the Christian faith. My name is Cody. I am a pastor and church planter and a, apparently a fan of cheap Tim Hortons coffee today. And my name is Kyle and I am also a fan of cheap Tim Hortons coffee today. I also tend to wear the same shirt two podcasts in a row for some I, reason. I did change my shirt between episodes. Yeah, apparently you did. We're filming this uh, one after the other today just because we have to. Life. Yeah, life. So we're banking them up. So that's also why we have the Tim Hortons coffee, the legendary coffee shop of Canada, Tim Hortons. Yeah, we got ice caps. Why is this place so legendary? It is legendary because it's Canadian. Well, it was. It belongs to Burger King now, which is kind of lame disappointing but it it was canadian and they had decent ish coffee like not specialty coffee but they had the deal with like arabica beans or whatever and then they they, made it sound like it was a big thing but like arabica beans are like what most coffee beans are right but they uh they apparently lost their deal like a, a long time ago and since then their coffee's worse but also like my palate has gotten yeah more refined so i'm just like eh but what did you get? I got an ice cap with a shot of espresso, and I asked for it to be, instead of a cream base, a chocolate milk base. But I don't know if they did, because... Well, we had quite the ordeal getting these ice caps today. Yeah. Basically, what we were planning on doing is doing our first podcast, having our normal French press coffee, and then in between takes... We would order Uber for Tim Hortons to send it to us, which is a huge first world problem, I guess, that it it did not work out. But there's not a lot of Uber drivers where we live, I guess. So we eventually just ended up driving there, (laughs) picking it up ourselves. And it was a they were confused. They were very confused. Yeah, I thought that'd be helpful, but apparently not. No. So I got uh, I think I got a vanilla ice cap. Does it taste like vanilla? I think so. But like there's a like the espresso is really uh, I can really taste the coffee in this. So I got an espresso shot in it, too. The whipped cream's throwing me off because it's like frozen. It's kind of frozen and hard. (laughs) I don't know what happened. It's also like brown. But um, yeah, Tim Hortons is uh, their ice caps. I love their ice caps. So like if you just need a nice summer like slushy thing tim hortons what it is it's a slushy but it's been so confusing because so many people come into our our shop now and they're like yeah i want a cappuccino i want something sweet i'm like uh cappuccino isn't sweet it's just milk and espresso or they'll be like can you uh ice a cappuccino like that's just a little bit of milk small and espresso yeah it's a small small iced latte. latte yeah but they're expecting this the iced cappuccino which is like, I don't know how it's a cappuccino. It's a, yeah, it's a frap. But it's yeah, it's a coffee frap. I know. <laughs> but it's, I mean, this is honestly like Tim Hortons just tries way too many things. Like, what do they have now? What are they called? Creamy chills? Yeah. It's a, it's a milkshake. It's just, isn't yeah. it? It's just like blended. Fruit yeah. And things. then they do like ice cap supremes and a fruity, yeah. slushy stuff. 
that's probably literally the name of one of their drinks. Pretty slushy stuff. Yeah. yeah. And so they just try so many things and that's, they, they stay in business because they're like just Canadian. Like you yes. can literally go to any town in Canada and find like four. It's like national loyalty basically. Yeah. So, I mean, when I'm going on a road trip, I'll stop at Tim Hortons. Like, and you know, when you go into the something. States and especially here in BC, you go into Washington, you can tell when you cross the border because there's American flags everywhere yeah you can tell when you come back because there's tim hortons everywhere <laughs> so that's our flag there's been times where like i've been in the states for a few days or a week or whatever with a group of people and we'll cross mm. the border and be like well let's hit up the tims let's yeah. get there like, don't normally get this but i got it now i'm back in canada it's just how it is it's the canadian way so their coffee's not good we're not even gonna pretend oh, yeah. that it is for it a is. moment um but, you know, if you need a coffee while you are out driving, there's going to be a Tim Hortons like five minutes down the road. So yeah. they, they exist. We yeah. will give them that. And uh, this is the first time I've had an espresso shot in the ice cap. And it's yeah, I had an uh, experience when I worked in the mall for a while. I, w- I was always doing opening shifts. And I remember I'd go to the Tim Hortons and. One time I was like, you know what? It's hot. I want an ice cap. And like, okay. And then the next day I went in, I was like, I think I'll get an ice cap again. She's like, do you want a shot of espresso in it? And I was like, oh, that sounds crazy. And well, I didn't know that if you don't get the shot of espresso, they're not actually like caffeinated, right? What? There's not. I mean, really? yeah, I'm pretty sure it's just like, maybe there's a little bit of coffee, but it's pretty much just like coffee flavored. Oh, Wow, you're blowing my mind right now. There's no. I may be wrong. There. Someone will, Tim Hortons will sue me for defamation. Yeah, but, yeah, something like that. But yeah, if you want like an actual buzz other than from sugar, you got to get the espresso shot in there. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Eh, I might do it again. I don't know. We're also using metal straws because they gave us paper straws. <laughs> oh, I was gonna say because we to care British about Columbia. the environment, but like it's not even. We wish that they would care less oh. about the environment. <laughs> <laughs> We're really revealing all of our political views here today. Yeah. What do you think about uh, the liberals and the conservatives in Canada, Cody? Well, we don't need to get uh, <laughs> shut down, but we are going to talk about the perseverance of the saints today, which is the final letter in our TULIP acronym, the final of the five points of Calvinism or the doctrines of grace, if you find the word Calvinism triggering. Mm-hmm. Total depravity, unconditional election. Limited atonement, irresistible grace, perseverance of the saints. Develop. Perseverance of the saints or once saved, always saved is kind of the the common vernacular. Yeah, well, and so when we were talking about this one, growing up, both of us have said that we were taught this despite Mm -hmm. like the abhorrence to the Calvinistic teaching. this idea of like once saved, always saved. I think the doctrines of grace kind of gives a little more nuance to it mm-hmm. than what's often said in like once saved, always saved. But this is a fairly commonly held view. Like, honestly, I think we talked about how total depravity is fairly normal view. Yeah. Um, maybe different in extent, but perseverance of the saints is quite common as well. The opposite to that would be that you could lose your salvation as well but i think by and large most people who are christians would hold to some form of like 
if you're saved, you're what, saved. What'd you call it? Like the insecurity of the saints? Like that just the opposite. Yeah. It's a sort of like you don't want to be on that side. Like yeah. who wants to say, yeah, I hold to the insecurity of the saints. I wonder what it's I'll Google it while Google you continue it, okay. on here. But yeah, it was interesting how much people held to this and it it was interesting because I think people will often support this understanding that, you know, if you're saved, you're always saved without a really defined understanding of how you are saved or what it what constitutes being saved, what it means to be saved in the first place. Because you'll you'll hear this brought up and like, well, you know, they used to go to church and once saved, always saved. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure they're fine. Or like you said, the sinner's prayer at a children's VBS thing when they offered you a, a warhead. I did that once. And you know the sour candy? Yeah, yeah, yeah they're, they're like, hey, if anyone comes up and says this prayer, you oh, get a candy. That is like complete bribery. I was like, heck yeah. <laughs> Who wouldn't go up for that? Well, I've been saved many times. Um, <laughs> I said in my thoughts, heresy button. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's a weird doctrine to hold to when you don't have a very defined because if if being saved means you said the sinner's prayer then that makes us very questionable because i know a lot of people have said the prayer and then they clearly want like left the faith they clearly are, are shunning god now mm -hmm. so is that what it means to be saved right and so Update the opposite to be something like conditional security or conditional just simply stating like the perseverance of some saints or losing salvation. Sounds like a banking term. It's like we yeah, can offer you a savings security. account with conditional security. Only 4% cash back. But <laughs> when it comes to, yeah, when it comes to that, like we, I think we often think about it in our, um, almost in our experience where you know, we saw someone go up during a kid's program when they were younger and they've professed faith and or said the sinner's prayer. And then they kind of grow up in youth group or whatever, but then, you know, decide one day that they're not Christian anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think the the reason behind the like once saved, always saved kind of mindset of like if you if they said the prayer, they're still saved no matter what is just like this hope of like. They're in a bad spot right now, but like, you know, they're saved. We, they're going to come back. It's just like a matter of time kind of thing, mm -hmm. which can somewhat hold up with perseverance of the saints. Like what we're saying, what we would say when it comes to perseverance of the saints is that the, those who are truly God's people, his elect will persevere to the end. Yeah. You'll hit some rough patches for sure for some people, but God will continue to do his work in, in your life. In mm -hmm. that, I think when it comes to once saved, always saved, it often just is kind of this like based on some sort of like prayer that they made or like a, t a moment in their life where they were like, yep, I'm a Christian. And we're like, yeah. okay, yeah, they're good. They're good. And it's kind of a dangerous perspective to hold in that sense. Yeah. One coming at the end of our, our series on the, the doctrines of grace, like we, we understand we've established now. And if you're listening to this episode as a one-off, we'd suggest you go back and listen to the, the previous ones so you can get more full of an understanding. But you know, what, what saves us? Is it us saying a prayer? Is it our faith? Is it, no, it's Jesus. It's mm -hmm. God 
choosing us, pulling us out of the depths of our depravity and sin, out of death, giving us new life. And it, it seems a lot more reasonable when we consider that's what it means to be saved. That's how we're saved. That's like um, last episode, I used the example of like being pulled from the depths of a pool. You were drowned and you're resuscitated. And like, what are you going to do? Just like roll over back into the pool? Like, mm-hmm. it just doesn't. And I mean, every metaphor is imperfect because if you're really dumb, maybe you would do that. But, <laughs> but if you're not what saved you, then how could you be the thing that unsaves you? Right. And that's the thing, once again, in the uh, Calvinist or Doctrines of Grace viewpoint, is that like it's all about God's work in salvation. So John 6, 37, right? Uh, this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. Like mm-hmm. it's the reason that we persevere in our faith is because Jesus is the one that our, our salvation is based upon. That's where when you come to something like someone who holds a, a like conditional security or, yeah. or you can lose your salvation. It's often out of that mindset of like, I did this work to come to salvation. It was mm-hmm. my doing. And so, yeah, you, of course the natural and logical thing to that is to say like, I could also walk away if I want to and like yeah. give up my salvation or, you know, and it just becomes very tricky in that because then it's like, well, so I acknowledge as a believer that I sin every single day. So what's the point in my day where I'm not a Christian anymore? Mm-hmm. Or like how much sin do I have to do to lose my salvation? Or, yeah. you know what I mean? Like that's where it gets difficult. So when it comes to perseverance of the saints and, and the doctrines of grace, there's a, a confidence in them mm-hmm. to say, this is all God's work and we're acknowledging this. And therefore when it comes to the security of our salvation, it rests in Christ and in mm-hmm. Christ alone. Yeah, I think that's, oh, I had like the perfect phrasing and I just lost it, but say the good part you said again. No? Okay. There was nothing good about what I said, so I don't even know. Um, But we talked about confidence and doctrines of grace. We we want, people like to think, well, we like freedom. We like to be told that we have freedom. So we want to say like, well, I'd have the freedom to reject or I'd have the freedom to lose my faith if I chose to no longer believe. But with that comes the insecurity of that also means you could accidentally lose your faith. Mm-hmm. Like if, if there's the ability for you to just change your mind and reject your faith, then there also has to be the ability that you could be like, well, whatever it's dependent on my belief, I am not actually believing hard enough or I'm not right. really faithing good enough. Um, but all of the doctrines of grace, our confidence isn't in our faithfulness, it's in God's faithfulness. And we've seen through all five points how they give us confidence. The confidence in total depravity is that we, we will never be worse than we were when God loved us, that we already shunned God, we rebelled against him, yet he chose to save us, that he absolutely loves us at our worst So we're not at risk of losing that. The confidence of unconditional election is kind of the same for all of them, that our salvation has nothing to do with us. Our actions aren't what saved us. Um, So we're not, our actions aren't going to take us out of that. Mm -hmm. We're not going to act our way out of his election because it's not conditional. Confidence of limited atonement is that your sins are paid in full 
for all time ultimately that there's no chance that you'll have to make further payment confidence of irresistible grace i was trying to say confidence and irresistible at the same time <laughs> confidence of irresistible grace is we can't miss the boat if god's calling us we're in there's no mm -hmm. like uh you know oh was did i did i respond well enough like if god was calling me did i respond in the right way if god's calling us we're coming right and then now with perseverance of the saints our confidence is that we can't be taken from his hands yeah john uh 10 27 29 um such a key passage for perseverance of the saints and even again when i heard growing up with the with just simply once saved always saved mm -hmm. uh verse 27 my sheep hear my voice and i know them and they follow me um and i give eternal life to them and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand my father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hands that's the the confidence we have as as believers is that mm -hmm. there's no one greater than god and so he is able to hold us and no one can take us from his hands. If he has called us and called us his own, no one can say that that is not true. And no one can tear us away from that. Mm -hmm. Not even ourselves. I think that's a, a key thing. There is like salvation wasn't our work in the first place. So we also don't walk away from it in that sense as well. And we, this is like going back to like uh, your experience as a, you know, talking about experience with your theology as well. We obviously have seen people like walk away from faith. We talked mm -hmm. about deconstruction before on, on the podcast and stuff. And we've seen people just completely deconstruct their faith down to nothing. And that's, we totally see that in our experience, but we once again, believe that those who are truly Christ, no one will snatch them out of their hands. They may walk away for a moment or, or a time um, and live in, some sort of rebellion against God, but there will always be that conviction of the spirit and he will bring them back to him mm -hmm. as well. I think that brings up the, the question of, you know, if someone walks away then like that, is that possibly evidence that they never believed in the first place? Yeah, that's a, uh, one of the big questions that I've heard, especially from people that I've known who um, believe that you can lose your salvation or mainly who come against like that idea of like once saved, always saved or, or mm -hmm. perseverance. Right. Um, first John two nineteen has been super helpful for me in that. Um, it says this, they went out from us, but they were not really of us for if they had been of us, they would have remained with us, but they went out so that it would be shown that they, uh, they all are not of us. Mm. And basically what John's saying there is those who have left the faith and walk away from the faith um, shows that they were never truly with us. Um, I preached this morning, actually, about um, the, what Jesus says at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. The wise man built his house on the rock mm -hmm. and the foolish man built his house on the sand. And speaking of that like firm foundation that we should build our, our house on or our faith on and one of the things that I pointed out in that is that, you know, Christ is our solid foundation. He's the rock, him, Christ in his words. And often what happens is when a trial comes, that's what truly reveals our faith. It either mm -hmm. refines our faith and helps us 
in uh, continuing on in our faith and grows us in that and our trust in Christ, or it shows that it was a, a counterfeit faith that really had no basis or, or foundation. Yeah. It wasn't you, founded on Christ. As you were preaching that this morning, I took some note and I was like, this is going to be so good for the oh, podcast nice, today. Nice. Because of that exactly, this the testing of faith. And um, yeah, I, I guess the one thing, I do want to talk a little bit more about that, but one thing I think is interesting is people will get really offended if you say, if they're like so-and-so walked away from Jesus or they left their faith. If I say, well, they must have never really believed in the first place. People will get so offended. But like, why? Like if they, if they left their faith, if that's real, if they did believe and they left it, then what credit is it to them that they did believe? Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's where they're currently at is what matters we still need to preach to them and pray for them regardless of if they initially had faith or not that it's, it's mm -hmm. a strange thing to get hung up on. But as far as uh, faith, having a firm foundation, I've heard this argument and um, in like from people I know personally and also in like high level debates where people say like you can have a legitimate faith in Jesus and lose it the same way people have a legitimate belief in Santa like there's like kids that are like absolutely Santa exists and they lose their faith in Santa. And I, th I think what it comes down to is everyone's belief in Santa eventually faces a trial. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you have children in the room that believe in Santa, maybe it's the time to ask them. Like, Sorry. <laughs> yeah, oh, oh, Sorry spoilers. to spoil that for um, them. But like what, what caused you to stop believing in Santa? I honestly don't even know like I so we used to I, I can't honestly remember if my parents even like addressed presents as like from Santa to Kyle or yeah. anything but I do remember that a lot of my presents were like to Kyle from mom or mm -hmm. from mom and dad or whatever and we would even um, there's this thing called the NORAD tracker or whatever just mm -hmm. funny because NORAD like is like a military like used to be a military like plane thing. I don't yeah, even know what like it's called. They're like locked on to Santa yeah, and for missiles. And now it's like basically just every Christmas they're like, look where Santa is right now. And so we would do that and stuff and be like, where's Santa? And then it's like, oh, he's starting to come to North America. Time to go to bed or whatever. Nice. Um, so we would like do that and stuff. And I think even after I stopped like even believing in Santa, I, I would still watch it or whatever. Um, but I honestly don't know what, like, I, maybe it was doing that and being like, oh, that's a cartoon yeah. for Santa. Like, there's just a point where my parents never really, like, focused on Santa as a big part of Christmas. Like, it was more about going to yeah. church and whatever. Um, Good Christian parents. <laughs> yeah. But, like, um, it's it just came to this point where I was like, ah. I guess he's, it was definitely not like yeah. I see in the movies, right? It was more like a movie thing than, than anything. When I, I, I think that's it. Eventually you either just figure it out or someone tells you, but your our belief in Santa is pretty unstable. It's mm -hmm. pretty full of holes. Even if you're just like, oh, kids legitimately believe in Santa, like your kid's going to figure out that when you, if you go to two different shopping malls, how's Santa at both malls and why is he bigger at this one than at the last one? And how does he not remember you when it was just yeah. five minutes? And like your, your belief in, in Santa, you have so much 
evidence to the contrary when you think about how fast you'd have to travel and all these things so any little bit of trial anything that causes you to question is going to destroy your faith in santa because it's baseless yeah but a real faith in christ stands up under trial because i've been told by people with the same level of assurance they're just as sure of this than as they are that santa doesn't exist they'll tell me god doesn't exist but that doesn't shake my faith because it's a real faith it's based on reason and logic and experience and tradition and philosophy because jesus calls us not just to believe but to know him Mm -hmm. to follow him and interact with him to be changed by him given life indwelled by the holy spirit we are elect by him yeah santa didn't elect you (laughs) right didn't elect to come only to my house or whatever And that's that's really the, what it, it come down, comes down to as well, is that um, Christ has given us his word to give us assurance. And, and we can talk about, like, you know, we could talk all about how there's different, like, you know, if you look at this manuscript and you look at this mm-hmm. historical thing and see the evidence for Jesus in the Shroud of Turin, oh, it's probably Jesus. Like, you know, there's mm. tons of like, oh, this random evidence that people use to try to be like, look, Jesus is real. Jesus is real. But like, it's just a historical fact that Jesus was real. Like, oh, yeah. anyone who doesn't believe that Jesus was a real person is just like whack. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you're not religious, like, you have to admit he was real. The question is whether he was God. Yeah. And so, that's where the where the faith comes into it. And we believe when, you know, God changes our hearts and he reveals to us himself and his word. Like I've often heard it said, like a, a non-Christian could explain to you what the Bible means. Like they could read a portion of scripture and say, This word means this, this mm-hmm. sentence means this. In this story, this is what this would mean. But it's all intellectual. It's yeah. just like, oh, they can explain that. But only a believer can really have that change their their hearts mm-hmm. and change their minds. And that's the experience that, that we, we do have. At some point, we can give all the evidence to people um, that we want. But at some point, their hearts need to be changed and they need to have faith. But isn't, isn't it Bart Ehrman that has like a degree in biblical studies? Yeah. And he's, and a, he's an anti-Christian and, apologist. Yeah, exactly. He could tell you more about the New Testament than probably many many christians mm. but he's not a believer right and so that's where it comes down to is like jesus doesn't call us just to know about him he calls us to really know him mm-hmm. and that's the that's really the difference anyway when it comes to like santa or whatever it's like well it's easily debunked because like we know he doesn't come down our chimneys yeah, it doesn't right? <laughs> match with laws of nature yeah like all this kind of stuff right there's a random philosophy nugget something that i learned when i was really into apologetics is that you can never say with 100 percent certainty that something doesn't exist because that would be claiming to have all knowledge so Mm. when people be like oh it's been proven god doesn't exist it can't be proven because you'd have to have knowledge of every single like square inch of space in existence simultaneously to know that god isn't hiding in that corner or something like you have to know that there's no such thing as a spiritual realm that you can't physically interact with like but that's just to say which ironically then maybe santa does exist (laughs) but like uh i just think that's a neat 
idea when people are like, God doesn't exist. It's been proven. It's like, that is a false statement. It cannot be proven that something doesn't exist. Yeah, exactly. And so that's, I mean, this all comes out of the conversation of like, we know that people seem to, for a time, believe in Christ Mm -hmm. and truly believe in him, but then they, they walk away and we believe that shows they didn't have true faith. And the thing is, um, as well in those situations, we pray for them and we preach the gospel to them. Like they are unbelievers. Mm -hmm. Sure. Maybe, um, there's a point where they come back to the faith and they, you know, repent of their sins or whatever, but like no matter what, in the moment where someone says, I'm no longer a believer, you pray for them. You, you treat them like they are an unbeliever. Even if you believe that they truly made a, a real profession of faith and are just going through a, a hard time, mm-hmm. um, you share the gospel with them in hopes that they come back or, you know, have faith for, for the very first time. And we can't be judges of that either. Like I, you know, I, I know people who, uh, accepted Christ when they were young kids and then they walked away and then five, 10 years later, whatever, they yeah. come back to faith. Were they saved when they were eight or were they saved when they were 30? It's like, I don't know. All I know is yeah. they're saved now. And it's like, Re- it's great. Regardless. I had, uh, I think it was my systematic one professor. Um, we, he, he started the debate and he let us go for quite a while. Like the, the, the if someone walks away from the faith, are that were they never saved and like half the class is like they mm-hmm. were never saved another half is like oh they absolutely were and he's like here's the thing regardless we need to pray for them mm-hmm. he's like regardless we evangelize to them like and we can't be the judge of if they were saved or, or not and it doesn't really matter if we could judge yeah we're, we're still going to treat everyone as they could potentially be one of the elect and if they are we want to be the ones that are hyping them up to chase after jesus we want to be the ones showing them where he is and running alongside them yeah and this is why why it all matters um it's not that we can do whatever we want and still be saved we've said that's kind of the flaw with just that once saved always saved Mm -hmm. it's like oh yeah they're just you know being carnal or they're you know off on their own or whatever um, it's not that we can do whatever we want and still be saved because in that like salvation is a change in our lives. Yeah. Right. Um, and we believe as well, if we're not changing, if we're not going to the word and being changed by it and, and allowing it to affect our lives in different ways, then, um, then we believe that that is a cause of concern that like, maybe you, you aren't saved, right. Mm-hmm. If you're not allowing it to change you. Um, and this is really why it why it all matters because we know that our salvation is secure in christ and we want to be sure in that mm-hmm. yeah i th- think last episode um it's funny because it feels back to back for us but for it would have been last week for people listening we read ezekiel um 36 where god says i will give you a new heart and a new spirit and oh you know or write my law on your heart you'll be careful to obey my rules like when we're really brought to life, when we're changed by him, it changes us and that's going to show outwardly. Yeah. And we have this confidence. Uh, Romans 8 30 says, and those whom he predestined, he also called 
and those who he called, he also justified, and those who he justified, he also glorified. And he puts that in like a, a present tense, at least in English. Mm-hmm. I'd, have to, I'd have to double check the Greek, but um, go for it. It's like an assurance. You know, if you've been predestined, if you've been called, if you've been justified, you can be so confident that he's going to glorify you on that final day that he's, he's saying you have been glorified, even though it hasn't really happened yet. Like mm-hmm. we can be that sure that he is faithful to, to guard his sheep, to keep his sheep, that he won't let anyone go, yeah. that we, we will persevere to the end, not because we're great and faithful, but because he's great and faithful. Yeah. And that's the, that's the confidence and assurance we can have in like a doctrine like this of perseverance of the saints is like, there's a lot of times where we don't feel like we're saved. Mm-hmm. Like where we've just, you know, had a week, a week or a day or like even months sometimes where it's like, I'm just not getting anything out of reading his word. I'm not getting anything about prayer. And you're kind of struggling with this idea. It's like, Oh man, like, am I, am I even a Christian? Like, I feel like this should be affecting me more. Mm-hmm. I'm not getting anything out of the, the sermons at church or whatever, but there's confidence in that. If he's predestined you, he's called you. And if he's called you, he's justified you. If you're mm-hmm. justified, you will be glorified. But also um, Philippians one verse six says, for I am confident of this very thing that he who began a good work and you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Yeah. Like that's the, the confidence that we can bring to this. It's like, this is what perseverance means. Some mm-hmm. people, here's the, the alternate term for perseverance of the saints, preservation of the saints. Yeah. Because it's not just, it's not really like just our act of persevering and getting through trials and doing everything we can, but it's also the preservation of the Holy Spirit, the preservation of, of Christ in our lives that he began the good work in you by saving us. And that means he's going to complete it all the way to the very end. Like he doesn't just save you in a moment and then let you go off on your own. He's with you continually. And that's like huge confidence for us in this. I feel like there's some corny like 90s pastor reference in there about the Holy Spirit being like an added preservative in our lives. Yeah. (laughs) I'll I'll just throw that out there. That one's free to the internet. You're welcome, everyone. (laughs) Yeah, this is our final episode. In not ever. Not ever. If you were hoping it was, I'm sorry. We will be back next week. But um, this is our final episode in the Doctrines of Grace. So I think to close it off, like what's one of the things when we've been doing these five episodes that has really like hit you again in this? Oh, man, this this has been so good. I think that like the episode at episode on um, limited atonement was really cool to go through. Cause that, like, I think I mentioned in the episode, that was one I struggled with and it just made so much sense as I was researching it again and preparing our notes. And that, I guess the idea that God does have plan that he, he took my name to the cross has been so encouraging motivating especially right now while we're church planning and we're still in those early discouraging days Mm -hmm. where it doesn't seem like it's going anywhere and i know that's one of my personal like doubts that i wrestle with is not like does god exist or did he die for my sins is like does he individually care for me like does he actually know that cody 
you know, is here and Cody's trying his best. Does he know about me? Mm-hmm. And he does. Yeah. And this, this, all these doctrines, they're about how huge and glorious and amazing and, and just a huge God, like really he's phenomenal. And we can't, we don't have English words big enough to describe how incredible he is and that he would come and he'd rescue us from our hopeless state and give us grace upon grace and, and just lavish us love on us. But then also that I'm like, Oh, he knows me by name mm-hmm. is so humbling. Yeah. That's, I think one of the big things for me that I've realized once again is just the work of Christ in all of it and the confidence you can have in that. And exactly what you're saying, like he has chosen us, which is a crazy thought in and of itself mm. that he's chosen us. And not only that, but he keeps us as well. And he, what we just talked about, he preserves us. I think Philippians 1 6 is like one of the verses I come back to so often just to remind myself that, you know, there's times where I feel like I'm not doing my best as a Christian, or there's times where um, I feel discouraged in my faith as well. And it's like, is this all like really worth it? Like, mm. can I just kind of, you know, go off and, and do whatever? Is it really worth it in the end? And, and he always reminds me of this verse of, I'm confident of this, that he who began that good work, you will perfect it. And why can I be confident in that? Because salvation started with him and it ends with him as well. It's all been in his complete and utter sovereignty. And he is the one who does the work in my life. And that's, that gives me confidence to go out and share it with other people as well. Yeah. Because what an amazing word that we've been charged with the the ministry of reconciliation reconciling people to god like it's a it's an honor and a privilege to be able to be part of his his work and i don't just mean that as pastors but as believers that we've been given Mm -hmm. this truth and that we have the ability to share it with other people and to tell them about this amazing god that we serve yeah say one final thing before you do our outro was that when it comes to, you know, we debated, actually, we were like, do we do a series about Calvinism? Yeah, do we even because tell like, people we're yeah. Calvinists? <laughs> I think I'm not like a, it's not like I'm a closet Calvinist or whatever, but like, it's just like, you know, we're like, oh, like it's the, I don't even know what episode it was that we started this on, like six or whatever, like very beginning of the podcast. Do we even mm. do it? Our hope in it, and the reason we did it was because it's been a big part of our lives, but also our hope in it is that. People will listen to this and will actually kind of take this, even if they don't agree and even if they're like kind of against Calvinism generally, that they'll listen and they'll be like, okay, I can see where they're coming from and I, I see what they're getting at and just like listen. Mm. And then outside of that, if they don't, you know, if you don't hold to these views or we're not expecting to change anyone's mind necessarily, but hopefully getting you to think about it. But we want to give that big view of, of God and who he is. Yeah. I think that's kind of the goal of this whole thing. Whatever we do next, like it's all, that's what we do in all of our podcasts, I hope. Mm-hmm. But specifically in this, in the, the doctrine of salvation, um, Calvinists get a bad rap sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> and we, uh, we hope that um, we gave you a picture of, of what these doctrines truly mean and where they should uh, lead us to. Mm-hmm. Well, we hope you are encouraged and that we 
yeah, that we're helping you think through what you believe and why. And that, like Kyle already said, that more than anything, that you would have a very high view of God, that you would see a big God, even if you don't agree with the details, that hopefully we've helped you see just how huge he is. Um, if you have any questions, comments, or snide remarks, you can leave them in a comment or message us on Instagram at Pastors with Pourovers. We always love to hear from you. And we love to hear about coffees that we should try too. If you um, want to rip on us for the Tim Hortons today, like go for it. The, yeah. Honestly, I'm just going to throw this out there. I think this is just ice at the top. It's not whipped cream because it's oh, still hard. Boo. I don't even know what this is. Yeah. But way to go, Tim Hortons. Thanks a lot, Tim Hortons. If you, uh, if anyone from Tim Hortons uh, head office is listening to this, I'd love to to help you out in your business and be a consultant of sorts. So hit me up. Yeah, yeah. Pastors with Timbits, the future. You can ch- change it like our name if you want, Tim Hortons. Like if you want to sponsor us. Uh, actually, I'm pretty tied to the name. I like it, Pastors with Pourovers. But like, there, there is be, a like. Pl- point where we would sell out on the name maybe yeah for sure <laughs> like tidbits with timbits that'd be a good one i'm trying to think of another t word that <laughs> relates to like pastoring or whatever but you know it's i like tidbits, tidbits with timbits i think that's pretty good that's wow they should actually just take that hashtag no uh copyright copyright that's oh, mine. Ca- yeah, com- yeah copyright Kyle mcdonald 2021 <laughs> let's go but yeah no seriously tim hortons if you want to hit me up um I'm open. Be sure to like, follow, subscribe, rate, review, share with the kitchen lady at your church. With the, that's we've we've introduced that as a possibility. Um, I think it's a strong possibility. Yeah, though. yeah. We we want all the church kitchen ladies in Canada to become Calvinists. That's really our goal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It will help them in their endeavors of feeding mass amounts of people on a Sunday. So. But seriously, it helps us uh, more people to find our content and uh, lets us know we should continue on if with this journey, even though we're going to do it no matter what, because we're pretty stubborn on that. Yeah, we're we're church planners. We, we like doing things that are facing adversity. <laughs> <laughs> well, have a good week, everyone. We'll see what we do next week. We don't even know. But I feel like I've drawn out this uh, outro longer than it should have anyways. So I'm going to finish off my ice cap and I hope you all have a wonderful day.